thrown around and it, it wasn't really too fascinating to me because it was thrown around in kind of a, a you know, when somebody wanted to sound erudite and whatever, to talk about human flourishing. And, um, but then I, um, at the same time, I was also noticing in the medical literature um, kind of a, a lack um, of uh, kind of some of the things that were very core in some of the, the research. So in pediatrics, I'd go to the American Academy of Pediatrics Conference and they'd talk about parenting and things like that. And, um, the kind of spiritual aspect was totally gone. It was non-existent. And so, you know, you want to talk about parenting and things like that. As, as Christian parents who talk about values and character and things like that, it was totally out of the pediatrics. It's like they lost the, the language to even talk about that. Um, and then I'd read uh, loneliness research from the University of Chicago coming out of, uh, of USC. There's some pretty prominent researchers down there, and they'd be talking about loneliness and seniors and things like that. And you would really have to dig into the article. You might find one mention of just kind of generic spirituality, but there was nothing around loneliness and community and faith and church. And it's just like, you know, it just makes so much sense, you know, that that has to be part of it, especially, you know, when you know our community and when you look at the stats about religion and faith communities around the country. So in, in that context, all of a sudden came um, an article across my desk about human flourishing from, um, it was actually from the Harvard Center of Human Flourishing and this guy by the name of Tyler Vanderweel. And so a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is out of his, his articles um, on human flourishing and some of the stuff from the Center of Human Flourishing at Harvard. But uh, um, I started uh, emailing him and found out that he was a Christian. He's actually from Chicago, and his uh, parents still live here in Chicago. So as I was emailing him, he was like, hey, you know, could I come and stop by and uh, come for a visit. And uh, so I was emailing and was like, oh yeah, we could do that. And can you come for a first Friday sometime? And he said, no, um, but I'm coming like next week or whatever to see my parents, could I stop by? So we had lunch and um, actually met with last year's intern class and uh, talked about human flourishing. He's in Oxford for a year, so we couldn't get him here this year, but I thought I'd talk about the topic and maybe we can get him here um, next year. But he, um, you know, when I told Wayne Detmer about that, he was like, you know, his usual, whoa, <laughs> like this guy is a legit researcher. And, uh, and he pulled up his, you know, something called an H index, which I've never, you know, heard about, but I guess it's the uh, index of um, how often is a um, scholar that you're cited in other research and things like that. And he, you know, he was one of those guys who was just, you know, really sky high. So a lot of people are looking in his research coming out of Harvard. And uh, so I started to get, you know, even more intrigued and certainly after talking to him, um, it was a really neat time that we had um, with him talking about uh, human flourishing. And, uh, and he was really, you know, bringing the dialogue um, around some of the things that are real and I think important to us. Um, and we see those underlying kind of Christian principles back into the dialogue. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more, but, uh, um, I pulled some pictures um, off of another presentation I had, and I thought this was really cool. Um, just a bunch of pictures from around uh, the clinic and here in Lawndale. Um, if you think about flourishing, um, what do you guys see in some of these pictures here um, that might be evidence of some things that you might think of as, as flourishing? Family celebration. This one down here? But over the lower left. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Smiles. Yeah, lots of smiles. Right. All the people together with the exception of that one in the upper corner. Yeah, so a lot of kind of relationship kind of here, right? Yeah. But if she's reading a Bible, then she's having relationship as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes we think of it as individual kind of flourishing, but there's a lot of community 
aspects here. You kind of pointed it out in relationship. And so, yeah, relationship with one another, um, relationship over different things, you know, relationship over long term and, and marriage and flourishing and, you know, a deep, you know, connection with others, flourishing in relationship, you know, with God and, and vertically. This was cool. I mean, to think about, you know, flourishing in this context, wow, there's a lot of meaning and purpose in this slide, I think. You know, it's like, here's Dr. Dow, you know, who, if you know her story and where, you know, kind of she came from and, you know, the impact that, that God has on her life and how she, you know, speaks into um, her, her patients and her moms, you know. So, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, a generational thing. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, I think meaning and purpose and care. And, and love, and um, in, in that, just in that picture, I thought it was like, wow, that's amazing. And then this is just a picture of the 5K, you know, just, you know, kind of that fun and, you know, concept of, of, of play and joy and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things in here. So, kind of what I wanted to talk about today um, was this, you know, kind of just flourishing as general, as individuals and as a, as a community. Um, but as I, as I prayed this morning, that, uh, you know, if the story of the Bible is, is true, human flourishing um, is something that um, is, is, is much more as, as committed followers of Christ. You know, it's a, a complete realignment um, of, of our lives, you know, to, to God's purposes. Um, and certainly, you know, oftentimes we realize that this world is not as it ought to be with the, the impact of sin and, and problems like that. And that um, really, as Christians, our true hope is that in God's promises, and in the end, there's a lot of promises. We're going to look at the flourishing in the Bible that kind of start off today, um, so we'll get a little bit more into that. Um, but then also think about flourishing um, in the context of the care we provide here at Lawndale and holistic care. We talk about you know treating patients from physical, social, emotional, and, and spiritual, um, and so I think this this idea of flourishing that Tyler uh, Vanderbilt brings out and the key domains um, um, that we'll look at um, are important for flourishing. And then as I kind of introed, um, it's kind of fun to see how this brings, I think, back some of the dialogue of uh, a lot of things that are of important Christian principles like value and virtue and character um, and meaning um, back into the dialogue of you know potentially parenting and flourishing and loneliness and things like that. It can be applied in different ways. So. We'll, we'll try and look at, at all those in different ways. So, um, this is obviously, you know, one that I thought of, um, you know, to, to get us started, and maybe I'll have you guys uh, think of some other uh, places of flourishing in the, in the Bible and the characters who, who flourished. Um, but certainly, you know, in the Garden of Eden, you know, it was, it was made good, kind of that idea, um, you know, of communion uh, with God. And so, does somebody want to uh, read this uh, passage? Carl, would you mind reading that for us? Uh, the whole, all three? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So, yeah, in these verses, and then certainly in the rest of Genesis 1 and 2, you know, we see a lot of, um, of flourishing, obviously, relationship, you know, with one another, relationship with God, um, being more, uh, you know, concrete in the, way, in the way it was described. And uh, and also, you know, man was given work to do, which was a way to, you know, flourish as well, too, and kind of give good, good work to do. What other things are people in the Bible, I guess, come to mind when you think of uh, Flourishing. Were there any others? I mean, obviously, there were a lot of them that were very flawed in many different ways, um, but uh, um, but that through their relationship with God, obviously, overcame. Yes? I think about, like, characters in the scriptures who suffered, um, but as a result, they, um, God molded them in 
Except with uh, with Christ, and obviously, you know, I was, I was like, well, you know, obviously Jesus is the perfect, you know, kind of example, you know, of flourishing. You know, you can complain that he, you know, had the God card too, and then of course he was going to flourish. But it, you know, obviously, you know, he came as a vulnerable human being and was fully human, and uh, there were in, in many different ways. Um, you know, he he didn't play that God card in different circumstances, but he modeled for us different habits. Um, of, of flourishing, which I think um, are really pretty cool. Um, so, you know, this is uh, uh, actually from uh, a discipleship uh, uh, model that I really like. Um, and uh, it has a little mnemonic. It's called, uh, you know, Jesus lived with Holy Spirit power. And so certainly he was uh, very dependent and relied on the Spirit to, to, to lead and empower his life. A number of other, you know, things that were in his life. Um, you know, certainly he was very prayerful. You know, throughout uh, every step of the way, and praying for direction before kind of major events, after you know major things that were going on, praying for the will of the Father to be done. Uh, certainly obedient living, um, words centered. You know, the scriptures were the center of his life. He often quoted them and used them. Um, certainly he was all about exalting the Father and obeying His will. And then one of the cool ones that I like, which, you know, I mean, I, I think is just, uh, you know, a good one for us to remember, especially in what we're doing here, is just a very, you know, relational and intentionality. Um, you know, he conducted his life with intentional, loving relationships, um, making disciples, investing in the people that he came in contact with. And so very much back, you know, you see Dr. Dahl and, you know, kind of, um, and that's what we're, you know, in some ways trying to do. Um, I had a picture of you, Daisy. Um, up there seeing a patient, and uh, it was an example. It's Dr. Dalton, you guys know her, and uh, talked about flourishing in, in many different ways, and, and, and part of it is, you know, relational intentionality, and you're seeing a patient there. Um, and uh, uh, the, um, so this is, you know, obviously Christ, you know, is, is kind of our model of, of flourishing, and as his disciples, um, uh, he calls us, um, certainly to um, uh, a life to seek and follow him and, and uh, in 1 John 2 6 it talks about um, <coughs> following him and, and walking as he walked um, and then you know certainly at the end you know kind of our hope you know is uh, uh, the biblical hope at the end is, is for uh, a different vision and the end of, of, of a different kind of flourishing um, would somebody read this uh, passage for us Hopeful, 
you know, kind of promise that, uh, that we cling to uh, as Christ followers. Um, any other examples that come up if you guys think that are any comments about that flourishing in the, in the Bible? Okay, well, let's, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, go to my slide here. But uh, um, certainly, you know, thinking about um, Christ's disciples and, uh, you know, he would, you know, send them out um, and uh, I think it was sending out the, the, the disciples in, in John, and, uh, you know, where they, they came back and they were given gifts to heal and to do all this kind of stuff and they came back, but yet, you know, right after that, he you know, talks about, um, you know, kind of a really a sacrificial, you know, countercultural, you know, kind of life uh, for us as Christians. In Matthew 10, 37, it says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Um, and, uh, you know, you're like, kind of, wow, you know, um, that's, you know, an, an, an amazing call. It's very, it's very different. I'm just kind of setting this up in, in some ways because it, you know, what we're looking kind of look at in the literature um, and is human flourishing really from um, an, an imminent sense. And those are important things um, in the sense of, you know, flourishing kind of in this world. Um, but yet, as Christians, you know, we need to think of human flourishing as, as totally different, um, you know, certainly as our relationship to God, but also um, he does call us um, to a life of, uh, of sacrifice and, uh, and also following him uh, passionately. So, um, so human flourishing in healthcare. So what is, what is health? Anybody uh, have some thoughts on what is, what is health? I know it's one of those broad things, one of those questions that you hate teachers coming and asking, right? Okay, I, I, I know I'm gonna be partly right, but not completely right. So what, what is, what is health? Was just writing the article, and he was going through 
kind of definitional help with that. And he used this phrase noticeably absent, you know, kind of being in, in the literature, whether it's a psychology literature or whatever, um, that something is noticeably absent. And uh, it's obviously, you know, the spiritual kind of stuff around character and virtue, um, which we'll go into now. So, um, one of the things, you know, when we think of health, um, we're, we're always doing these, you know, even health risk assessments here. So, um, and when a lot, a lot of people talk about health, it's um, kind of from a deficits point of view. And so, what is, what is wrong with health rather than, you know, what is right? So, flourishing is kind of like, okay, well, what is right going on? What's the end goal here? And sometimes, you know, when you're talking absence of disease or absence of a particular symptom, or absence of all these things um, that we do. We do what's called right a health risk assessment here at Lawndale where we find out you know, the hospitalizations and all the different things that kind of went wrong or could go wrong or um, could contribute to their health and increase cost and things like that. And those are all good and you know, trying to figure out if we can figure out strategies to address those. And this is from the medical network, kind of some of the, the risk factors that we see in, in our population. So difficulties in the community, you know, whether that's um, uh, safety issues, uh, obviously homelessness, um, you know, not feeling emotionally safe, and then there's lots of health parameters here as well too, and, you know, limited access to food and resources. Those kind of all, all those things certainly can negatively impact health. Uh, Liz um, Diaz from uh, no, Liz Tong. Liz Tong from University of Chicago came and talked to us last year about uh, how violence is shaping our community and came up with uh, these things that are affecting individuals in our community because of the violence. Um, and you see social breakdown, isolation, uh, constrained choice, people not feeling safe enough to you know, go out and walk around the community and go to get healthy food or other things like that. Um, and so, and then certainly these things are just kind of the tip of the iceberg certain particular issues or things that could negatively uh, impact health. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, patients come and they, you know, care about these things. They come to us for medical care. They come to us for alleviation of symptoms and treatment of disease. And, uh, and sometimes I regret that they're surprised that we have a lot of these other resources that can address, you know, non-medical kind of things that are related to their health. And, and that's really great, you know, but in thinking about flourishing and things about that, what does a, you know, what does a patient really care about? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that answer is and would probably be quite different ultimately if, if we ask them. And sometimes in relationship in the exam rooms, we, you know, get uh, a little bit of a hint of that. And certainly, uh, maybe a lot of people would say, I just want to be happy or, Sometimes they're very simple goals, like I just want them to, you know, survive um, in our neighborhood. I mean, it's kind of, you know, just almost that, you know, that blunt sometimes. Um, and so researchers have tried to look at this a little bit in, in different ways um, and, and ask questions because patients, you know, care about some of these different things. Um, and so there's been happiness you know, kind of measures that, that go out and look about um, flourishing. Um, there's larger research, and Tyler's looking through all these different things in his article. He's trying to see what's out there as far as what's being done uh, related to flourishing and pull things together um, from the literature. Trying to look at, um, you know, he mostly looks at, you know, quality studies that are more longitudinal um, and controlled and things like that. And so some of the, you know, surveys and things like that have started to measure overall satisfaction, you know, um, overall satisfaction. How are you satisfied with, you know, your life? And then a lot of other studies are now measuring psychological well-being, and you know these are you know some very long surveys and things like that, and detailed studies that measure psychological well-being in a whole bunch of different things. So starting to get at some um, you know other concepts that can contribute to to flourishing at a at a deeper level. Um, but uh, um, you know the the research is kind of you know kind of here and there. But he started trying to pulled some of those factors together. Um, and so, you know, he asked the question, you know, are these 
even capture what we would normally mean by flourishing. And as a Christian coming at it from a you know, Christian perspective, um, you know, what, uh, what else do we need to kind of look at? So um, uh, certainly a, a person's sense of health, that's where we started off with that question, um, is, is important in this. And, and, and a number of diff those different uh, studies even about well-being didn't even you know, ask about health necessarily. Um, but then you know, Tyler started looking at you know, moral, moral excellence. He kind of put it into that category. Of course, as an academician, you have to you know, kind of figure out how to weave these words and these concepts into the academic literature these days about how it would be accepted. Um, you know, but he started writing about you know, moral excellence. And you know, kind of, you know, certainly um, you know, in, in all religious traditions and philosophical traditions, um, you know, there's um, you know, something more you know, um, than just one's mental state or something you know, about how one feels about you know, various aspects of life. And so um, virtue is one of the things he, he pulled out um, as being part of um, uh, well-being as well. Prudence and practical wisdom, justice, fortitude, courage, temperance, or, or moderation. Wow, words that you don't have heard in the academic literature, you know, in, in a long time. You know, it's kind of like those words are reserved for, for church and, and, and other things. But certainly, um, uh, I think they're, you know, very much um, a part of um, what it means to flourish. Um, well, it's like how. And this is kind of the question I think he was asking himself, and the question that you know we're you know asking as well too. How do you get these kind of things, you know, back into you know the conversation? So basically, he looked at the research and looked at a lot of the longitudinal studies um, that were going on, and he um, took all the best studies, and these are all references that you can kind of pull up in his article. We grouped them into different categories. Family, uh, work, education, and religious communities, and how they were positively uh, impacting uh, these dynamics, kind of you know putting them in broad buckets of happiness and work satisfaction, physical and mental health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, and close uh, social relationships. And, you know what are the characteristics of those things on the left that impact? The things on, on the right, and so um, it was it's kind of cool about how he's able to kind of bring that that dialogue back in. So, looking at these different pathways, as far as like the family pathway, um, there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, related to uh, to marriage. And this is just one example. Um, in, in in his in his papers, he goes into a lot of different aspects. But I just pulled out about you know, there's certainly a healthy marriage is associated with higher life satisfaction and. Uh, meaning and purpose and mental and physical health, not that that can't be obtained certainly, you know, as you're not married, you know, but uh, um, certainly marriage has a pro, you know, a strong marriage has a, um, you know, profound positive effect on, on children, you know, that they're better mental and physical health, less likely to engage in delinquent criminal behavior. Um, and uh, you guys can, you know, look through that, but uh, basically Tyler concludes, the effects of marriage on health, happiness and life satisfaction, meaning, purpose, character, and virtue, close social relationships and financial stability are thus profound. Certainly divorce, you know, flips a lot of those. Um, but, you know, as I was thinking, you know, it's like, okay, what does this mean for, you know, how we think and what we do and what we put our priorities, you know, in, you know, as far as Lawndale, this, you know, literature is really, you know, so solid, you know, certainly we've done, some things and work with some organizations that, that uh, work towards healthy marriages and, and things like that, family bridges in the past. Um, but looking at this research kind of makes me think, wow, maybe we should, you know, invest a little bit more uh, into, you know, our community of, of healthy marriages. If, you know, you go back to that diagram and healthy family uh, impacts um, all those different things. So there's lines, you know, that all those happiness, physical and mental health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, close social relationships, all those, you know, different aspects and domains of, of human flourishing. You know, work and employment, um, you know, those who are employed have a higher level of life satisfaction. Um, certainly, um, we see the joblessness rate and the kind of the difficulty to get jobs in our community. And so we see those barriers and those frustrations for people uh, very much so. And we see the negative 
effects and the relationship between employment and crime is, is, is pretty complex, certainly. Um, the criminal record makes it difficult to, to find a paid job and hold a job sometimes. Um, and so it's cool to be involved with the farm, right? Down there where Anakin is doing um, some uh, job training and, and uh, things for, for people who've been in the uh, correctional system. And so, you know, how do we think about how we invest um, in jobs and employment? And certainly it's cool that Lawndale employs, you know, 550 plus uh, people that impacts, you know, that many families as, as well too. Um, education certainly um, can affect um, a number of these different factors. I'll just flip through these quick. And then um, focusing on the religious community pathway, um, this, I just pulled up uh, some of the research from Pew and Gallup, just kind of thinking of what the um, you know, data out there is recently. I mean, it's not terribly, I mean, 2012 and 2016, but 84% of the world's population reported a religious affiliation. Um, in Gallup in 2016, in the U.S., 89% of people believe in God or a universal spirit, and 78% consider religion a very important or fairly important part of their own life. And so, um, so again, when you look at that, and then you, you know, go back to like the loneliness research, it was like, you know, how could how could the loneliness research be so devoid of, the, of faith and spirituality and things like that? And it's, you know, it's the, the statistics. It's like they're intentionally trying to ignore. You know that I mean in some ways, um, but uh, certainly um, you know the literature shows, and what Tyler was pulling out that uh, things like attending religious service rather than just the private practice of, of uh, you know uh, spiritual um, practice or religiosity um, is associated with better health. So um, you know when we were talking to Tyler. Asking the question, it's like, okay, well, what does this you know mean for patient care? And he's like, well, you should recommend that your patients go to church, you know, for their health, you know, you know, there's it's it's in the literature, you know, and uh, um, certainly, you know, that's kind of an imminent thing that we can do, and we realize that uh, um, you know that going through the motions of a religious activity um, is you know, maybe just the start on a pathway towards a relationship with God, you know. That's transformative, and so you know I like to think of you know the difference between you know certainly um, the imminent, which is uh, you know the the practice of religion and things like that, and, and the transcendent effects too, which is actually the, the impact of a you know real relationship with with God. And, but certainly we can encourage people you know on that on that pathway to um, to explore um, their faith, um, and then. Yeah, attending religious services associated with greater longevity with 30% lower incidence of depression and suicide. Um, those who attend religious services are more generous and civically engaged um, in things like encouragement to prayer, increases forgiveness, gratitude, and trust. So these are, these are things that he pulled out of the literature and out of studies that he thought were really good studies that were longitudinal and you know, kind of that um, were um, you know, good enough to get into that, to that graph there. So then there's other things as well too, I just mentioned some of them, but the, uh, the impact of, of faith on flourishing is, is important. Um, so we talked a little, touched a little bit about homilies, but some of the questions that I started asking is how should the above, you know, impact our engagement as providers, you know, with our medical colleagues and with medical societies? Um, and, uh, you know, when I would go to some of the smaller groups around parents, I mean, at the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, just, you know, asking some questions, trying to bring, you know, kind of you know, faith into the, into the dialogue as well, too. And, um, you know, I think that Tyler's, uh, um, you know, research is going to kind of fuel my ability to be able to do that um, as, a, as a pediatrician. Um, how should the above impact Lawndale's strategies and resource allocation? Certainly, you know, back when I mentioned, you know, family um, and investing in healthy marriages in our community um, certainly seems like it would be a really important and, uh, and we realize that, but uh, I think we need to think about that a little bit more. Um, and then as individual providers, what can we learn about how we might assess the flourishing of our patients? So we do this thing called health risk assessments, right? Should we think about doing something on the, on the opposite end? Um, so um, basically what uh, Tyler Vanderbilt did is he took all this uh, 
all this all this research um, kind of honed it down into uh, six broad domains um, that uh, that they termed the flourishing index, um, and so I like what he did because he, you know, some of these surveys of well-being are really long, but you know he's he's trying to, and they're actually doing this flourishing index and then kind of you know doing some research based upon it to see what they uh, what they find, but uh, honed this down the areas of flourishing into basically five key domains, but also put on. Some couple questions around financial and material security, um, which certainly, you know, he kind of was thinking it has, you know, constitutes a critical means to securing these kind of things at the top. If you don't have that, then there's really huge barriers to physical and mental health um, and, and some of those other things, or at least they're affected, you know, by that. Because, um, uh, you know, if, you know, going back to thinking about what flourishing is, but you're succeeding, that you're um, prospering in those different domains and that those are, are sustained. So um, it's kind of barriers and all these different kind of things and, 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 and but yet still be flourishing you know in, in meaning and, and purpose you know um, and you see we see a lot of people especially I think those who have faith in God and understanding their purpose in life and you know who just have that have that joy that's in them from from Christ and they're you know and they're flourishing in that area you know maybe not in the other ones as much um, you know character and virtue I always act to promote good and social relationships. I'm content with my friendships and relationships. My relationships are as satisfying as I would want them to be. And then the financial and, and material stability kind of questions. Um, so, again, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, human flourishing, you know, um, as designed by God, has, has an imminent practical kind of level which we try and get at with our Certainly, you know, as Christians, we want people to flourish both on the horizontal level, um, but also on the vertical, you know, level. And uh, think of uh, the illustration that James often uses about, you know, related to reconciliation. You know, people need to be, you know, certainly have reconciliation uh, horizontally with with others, um, but also with God. And uh, that picture of uh, reconciliation of having the vertical and horizontal, you know, in the cross and in Christ. And if you Brenda Salter McNeil and James uses this illustration a lot with reconciliation. If you have the horizontal, you know, without the vertical, or the vertical without the horizontal, you know, he asks, "What do you have?" A stick. A stick. You know, you know, it's, like, it's not, it's not balanced. You know, and so, 
you know, flourishing, I think, is the same kind of concept. You know, there needs to be, you know, certainly individual flourishing, horizontal and in community, but also in, in relationship with God. I think uh, just an image of, of, of the cross and, and, and Christ is the way that truly that we flourish. Um, but as healthcare providers, um, you know, kind of walking people kind of down that road and thinking about what is what is true and flourishing, we can think of some of those more, you know, concrete kind of things and, and, and encourage, you know, them um, and uh, try and uh, encourage, you know, obviously our community as we have resources to do that or as individuals kind of on that positive trajectory. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, kind of cool how we've been able to, you know, engage some of those those topics that aren't even talked about at the medical literature back back in, and I think is, is as Christ followers who are engaged in the academic community, whether that's in our, um, you know, academic uh, situations or whether that's in, uh, you know, um, American Academy of Pediatrics or the um, AMA or the American College of Physicians, you know, there's literature out there that, uh, you know, that Tyler has synthesized kind of for us, you know, to um, be able to say, hey, you know, the literature says, you know, that this is, you know, really important, you know, for patient and patient care. And, um, the Joint Commission is here today, you know, and they really haven't drilled down about, you know, kind of faith questions and things like that. But if, uh, you know, they, you know, want to know about, you know, kind of what we do, it's like, okay, well, you know, here's what we do, but also here's some literature. To, to back it up, and obviously faith is very important in, in our community as well, too. Um, so that's all I have today. Any, uh, any thoughts or uh, questions? One of the things I think that, uh, you know, we'll do is, um, you know, Tyler's doing some research, you know, kind of on these subjects this year, um, and uh, I'll come back um, next year, so maybe next spring or next summer, we'll see if we can get him back and do a first Friday and kind of talk about um, what he's found, you know, various studies, and I think they're doing them overseas as, as well, too, um, and a number of different places in the U.S., and, uh, um, yeah, maybe there's even one of you guys that would like to do a, do a little pilot, you know, 100 you know, uh, patients or whatever, and ask a, a flourishing questionnaire. Well, well, we can think about that and talk about that, but anyway, any questions or comments? There's lots of cool stuff about in, in, in the literature around forgiveness. And, uh, you know, it's, kind of, um, it's actually a guy who was, well, he was in residence at Wheaton last year, but now he's out. He's, we should get him as a, as a speaker, but he's done a lot of forgiveness research um, and, as a Christian. Um, and uh, certainly I'm always a little bit skeptical of, you know, taking a, a, you know, a concept and kind of taking kind of the faith out to get it into the academic, you know, kind of community. But there really is a lot of power in forgiveness, I just think that, uh, you know, certainly, you know, as Christians, we've been forgiven by Christ, and it's kind of like that, that vertical, you know, forgiveness and reconciliation, just, you know, certainly, you know, adds so much more depth to um, uh, forgiveness, but in general, you know, kind of forgiveness is, is uh, yeah, there's a lot out there about the, the power of forgiveness, and also gratitude and thankfulness as well, too, um, you know, one of the, the strategies, right, that you guys can use in behavioral health, um, 
there's somebody is a, you know thankfulness and you can use that as providers too have somebody you know do a thankfulness journal you know somebody who's kind of struggling um, and that helps us too it helps helps me i mean i remember that a lot if, you know, if, you're, if you're stressed and kind of feeling discontent you know uh, i remember the verse you know godliness with contentment is great gain and uh then just going back and remembering and writing down the things that that, that i'm thankful for you know and certainly thankful to god um, but uh Patients, you know, who have faith certainly can do that, and patients who don't have faith certainly can, can do that as well too. Um, and uh, I just think that we're thankful. We know who to whom we're thankful. That it, it ramps that up a little bit and power and effectiveness. And uh, certainly we can encourage that with our, with our patients. Um, we have them. So um, yeah, any other thoughts or comments or questions? Yes, Valerie. I'm wondering how you feel that suffering. Christians, you know, we want all those things, meaning and purpose, and you know, and those kind of things. And we find those in Christ, yeah. But yeah, we know that He calls us. You know, says the, the the least is is the greatest, and the last is first. And lay down your cross and follow me. And um, there's certainly lots of passages about you know, been through First Peter several times, and First Peter five about the suffering of the church there. And uh, you know, certainly you know, encourages people to keep their eyes on the future hope. And um, so. We know that uh, in this world we're kind of in the struggle, and the world is not as it ought to be. But you know, have our hope in the promises of God, and uh, um, you know, and, and suffering is a refining kind of thing. And how God then uses suffering often to to refine us, and you know, and that often then we can use those sufferings in our own life um, as as something that we can use in community or even with our patients um, to to help them through their walk. Um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, in my own difficulties and struggles had some, um, a period back in the early 2000s where we were very uh, uncertain about some health problems and they were working up their cancer and things like that and mm -hmm. it was very, you know, anxiety, you know, provoking and ended up in the emergency room and this and that and whatever. Certainly, patients come to us, you know, with uncertain diagnosis, and they have symptoms that, uh, you know, well, I'm going to need to work you up for, for cancer and, and things like that, um, or or other things going on certainly in the community. Um, that, uh, but my faith, and you know, obviously, um, God brought some particular verses to mind, and, and community and other people helped me kind of through that, and I think that's part of the testimony that God gives us then that we can to, um, you know, kind of be a, a witness um, for him as well, too. And certainly I think that, you know, shaped and grew, you know, my character. So coming through suffering as a refining process, in some ways, and God uses that in our lives as Christians uh, to grow us. But that's a that's a deep, deep question, which can go down, you know, many different angles, whether it's personal or, but obviously suffering in the community is a whole, whole different thing to, to think about. But I think, you know, it's something we need to continue to,
number is more too. Like when folks come in, sometimes I ask them, like, are there any other resources we can help you with? Or like, you can help me find a job, or like you can help me get connected with housing resources. Like, and they jump to know those other components. Um, so I feel like something like that could be helpful, piecing that out right away. And I know there are other assessments like the care managers are doing and stuff, but like some folks don't even bring it up because they don't know. Well, I think I've taken up my time, and uh, thank you guys for your attention and your thoughts. Let me uh, close this with a uh, yeah. If you have any questions, you know certainly um, I can email you um, Tyler's article that has a little bit more, of, uh, you know, flourishing and kind of the studies that he's done, and also they put out a, like a weekly or monthly thing from the Center for Human Flourishing at uh, at Harvard. You can probably just Google that. Um, and get on there and get that list if, you, if you're interested. But fascinating kind of stuff keeps coming out. You know, an article last month was about specifically about African American women in, in church attendance and um, and uh, how that impacted positively their, their health. And so it's, yeah, it's interesting. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for um, uh, this time this morning. Lord, just uh, go with all these guys now and just uh, pray that you would just bless their day uh, or lead and guide them. will be with the Joint Commission here, Lord, and uh, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would be glorified um, in all we do and say, Lord, we um, commit our work here to you, Lord, and ask that you would uh, be in and through it. Um, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen.